Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <laughs> we got the chocolates. What the frick is that? We got the chocolates. Don't they do that, <laughs> We got the chocolates. Wait, there's a podcast? Yes. Really? <laughs> Scouts, welcome back to another episode of the We Got the Chocolates podcast. I'm Lee. I'm Skin. And that is all we have for you. But it's really just a very quick, brief, quick and brief uh, intro for... <laughs> Which meant fairly similar things, I would have thought. But uh, yeah, just because we have these good chat episodes going on at the moment, I think this is actually the last one uh, Mm -hmm. that is out today. And that is with yours truly. Mm -hmm. Lethal. Save the best till last, eh? That's the theory, I think. Okay. <laughs> so they're the most talkative till last. Yeah, yeah, absolutely the most talkative. I yeah, I was worried about mine because I wasn't sure I'd speak very well or get enough words out. You did not have that problem. No. Uh, went for a while, just got to sit back and listen to a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I think this is when we were severely hung over too. Yeah. <laughs> it was a post out last night in the Hunter Valley, so things were, we were meant to be like packing up and instead I was just continuing to talk and talk and... So the episode's probably like long. I don't think it is actually. I think it cut down nicely. So we'll be fine. Yeah. You'll love it. And it was enjoyable. It's good. Good to listen to. Excellent. I well, like all your normal gear, you know. <laughs> well, here's how it went. All right, guys. Welcome to our uh, the final of our good chats. Uh, Lethal, uh, you're... Uh... Yeah, if you guys could yeah. just shut up! Make <laughs> <laughs> sure that stays in. <laughs> Sorry, now back to it. Yeah, so, yeah. well done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this haircut's given me some serious <laughs> anger issues. Yeah, yeah. Angry incident. No, lethal. Uh, your turn to uh, to jump in the passenger seat today. You're usually uh, the driver of our little show, but uh, welcome, mate. Thanks, mate. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be quite weird to uh, have to listen to other people talk rather than just talking over them. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about that. Like, is this, like, is this going to be weird for you? Like, is this going to be like completely different to what you're used to doing? Well, it obviously is, but is, is it going to feel weird? Oh, I think probably now. To be fair, I think that like the actual way, like we sort of take the piss out of the driving the show a little bit. That was probably never something I really even knew I was doing up until maybe a year, like similar time to when sort of we spoke about Mika starting to film and when we sort of take started taking it more seriously. I guess we spoke to. Mike Fitzpatrick, who's sort of like our podcast manager, and that was basically a role that he sort of said, 
you're kind of doing this, but I didn't, I was like doing it without knowing that I was really doing it. So I guess once he sort of pointed it out and said like, Oh, in every, in every show there's, you know, driver reactor, which is probably more what you sort of are. Um, the guy that sits and laughs in the background, which is obviously what skin is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's actually a role, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I guess I probably embraced it more from that point. So uh, it is like sometimes I, I find myself sitting like when you were running like a game in a podcast the other day that probably you really should have been driving. I was like feeling weird. I was mm. like, oh, which button am I pressing? Like, yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's probably just something that I've now since we made that conscious I guess, choice to describe it as like driving the show kind of thing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's something that I like, I aspired to be like Hamish and Andy when we're kind of growing up yeah. and now like listening to their show with, with that lens, you can always see that Andy's obviously the driver of it and, and he will like hide stuff from, from everyone else uh, in the hope to get a reaction from Hamish because he just says dumb stuff mm-hmm. or funny stuff or whatever. So yeah, it's probably something I like doing now to be fair. Yeah. Awesome. All right, we'll, we'll take you back. So uh, childhood, brother, sister, I'm assuming sport was a massive part of the uh, the Drennan uh, childhood experience. Yeah. Yeah, most certainly. Um, yeah, I think I, I'm probably like pretty fortunate in the fact that like early years, dad was very involved and, and loved sport. Uh, so I definitely remember playing everything. He was from South Australia, so he was actually a big like, Aussie rules man. But then because he'd moved to Brisbane, he'd – embraced league as well loved cricket loved tennis like it was he would pretty much watch any of the sports which meant that i was i was pretty exposed to it very early uh and i definitely played tennis baseball soccer uh league i tried when i was like a little bit older like probably more 12 and aussie rules and cricket always sort of like the constant i guess and and i think dad probably mum and dad fostered my help foster my love for that and then mitch obviously came along seven years later and obviously was pretty useless in terms of backyard cricket and stuff early doors but then um <laughs> glad you added that little bit of it. <laughs> yeah dad i think dad by that stage by the time i was maybe like i don't know what mitch would have been four or five and so i was whatever that is. Yeah, 11, 12. 11 or 12. Dad was, I think, probably over bowling to me in the backyard and made spit the dummy every time I got out and um, <laughs> him never getting into bat probably. So I think he tried to convince me that Mitch could be like, you know, you could teach your brother how to play mm-hmm. and then he could actually play with you. And uh, and yeah, that was that was sort of like where, where I guess our backyard battles became a big part of our lifestyle. And um, my sister, Bronnie, was probably not always as keen on the sporting stuff she was more into uh well she had a lot of imaginary friends and stuff back then actually <laughs> <laughs> so, so um so i think they, they ended up being like one-on-one battles for bad skin i taught myself how to bowl with my left arm just to like even the competition in the backyard because obviously skin was younger so that was where i like and i can still bowl with my opposite arm now and people are always like Are you empty dexterous i was like nah nah just many years of bowling with my non-dominant arm. Haven't uh, you ended up doing that in grade cricket? Haven't you got a couple second grade wickets? I've got a first grade, I've got a first grade wicket. With your left arm. Non-dominant arm, yeah. Right. Shout out to Jake Winter, the poor bloke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Caught on the boundary, obviously. He was very young. He was caught at mid-on, but yeah. Uh, Just like, well, 
very slow pace or spin no, or left arm orthos, wasn't it? Is it? it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Left arm orthos. They are yeah. quite slow pace, yeah. to be fair. I don't know if they would knock off the bales. I've had a couple of LBW shirts with the umpires that <laughs> not going fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that missing, mate? Well, no, it's hitting. But it's, just not going. it's just rolling. Um, and, and you, oh, to the pair of you, I guess, like you guys have started to bring up your dad on the podcast, like a, probably a little bit more frequently in the last few years. For those who don't know, he um, Wayne passed away a few years ago, but your dad's been a big inspiration for you guys to sort of, you know, go down this sort of career trajectory uh, with his sense of humour as well? Yeah, well, certainly certainly for me, I think he – Dad was an idiot, like in the most yeah, in the most <laughs> lovable way. I just remember him basically like my humour is his humour, which I think is also very similar to your humour. Uh, so it's kind of, kind of uh, all fitted well. But, yeah, Dad, dad just did the dumbest but like funniest stuff mm. um, and probably if he ever had any idea about social media or technology or – Whatever he probably would have, I assume he. I would like to assume he probably would have tried to do something yeah. in, in this sort of area as well. So I think that definitely Dad shaped my humour uh, a huge amount. And then, yeah, I think he certainly like for me he had a he had a big impact on the on the fact that I thought that this was something that we were good at. I guess yeah. um, something that, that we could. Yeah, I always felt like when I was in a crowd or when I was emceeing people that I was had the ability to to, uh, I guess, give people a laugh and, and a good time. And that was sort of the way that I wanted to contribute to society, I guess, if I could, if I, if I felt like that was an area that I could get better at and, and really uh, get stuck into. So, yeah, I think I think if uh, we probably – we started this – like we actually started this years after Dad passed away. I think it was 2014 that Dad passed away. But he – yeah, he definitely was sort of like – I think the initial seed for – for why I sort of wanted to do something like this, definitely. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the great stories that I've uh, been relayed from your old man is when you uh, had a mate over, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he was in one of uh, what is your, your mum called? One of his moods or something like that. Yeah, um, just want to give that story. <laughs> I remember this story. <laughs> remember this story vividly. Um, yeah, so Josh Goldby actually listens to the podcast. I was good mates with him when we were. Uh, I reckon like 12, 11 or twelve. Mitch was definitely there in the room as well. Um, I don't remember it at all. Yeah. <laughs> so so Josh would like his mum had dropped him over real early in the morning. Dad was still asleep. <laughs> and uh and obviously like wasn't dad wasn't impressed by the fact that me, Skid and Josh were in the room next to his, like belting on the wall and jumping on beds and just making a whole heap of noise basically. Um and so he came in essentially to say like Shut up, you mm. idiots. Uh, but he was quite a nude sleeper. Are <laughs> <laughs> we all? Yeah, <laughs> so so he, uh, he came storming in, not knowing Josh was there, obviously, yeah. just thinking it was his two sons. Yeah. He opened the door, gave us a massive spray, like... <laughs> Just like, what are you doing? I'm trying to sleep. I've worked like work till whatever last night. Blah, blah, blah. Gave us this huge barrage and then looked at Josh and was like, hey, Josh, that's a penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's closed the door and walked out again. <laughs> oh, that was very, very good. So good. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. But we did, like, he was just, I don't know, we'd have so many stories. Like, he would oh, just random stuff. Like, I think people take the piss out of me now. I think Mick has probably seen it heaps the way that I sort of talk to Rochelle and stuff like that. Like, when she, she yelled at me yesterday, Mickus was sitting across the table. He yells at me most days, obviously, but yeah, he yelled at me. This yes. particular one. Yeah, yeah. Mickus was sitting across the table editing and, and, um, and Rochelle yelled at me. It was, and that I was like, oh, yeah, fair enough. You want a little kiss? 
like <laughs> just like and I'll just do dumb stuff like that. But I remember dad like yes. dad would yes, used to <laughs> dad would used to walk into our house and yeah. like out of nowhere, like we could be sitting there studying and stuff like that. And like <laughs> dad he wouldn't like even after him and mum separated, he would still call her like I don't know. I don't know. He'd, he'd, call her everything. he'd walk in and say, hey, mama. Yeah, he'd say, howdy, mama. This is like eight years after they separated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then whenever she got angry, he'd call her the fire-breathing dragon. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. 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 Wait, so are you, do you think a lot of you being a dickhead is more learned or just from yeah, him? Is it or nature or nurture? Like, yeah. 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 I think he definitely nurtured it for, for sure. Like, I, well, it's probably, I don't know how genetics work, but there's probably <laughs> a deep predisposition to find find stupid things amusing and try and make as many puns and stuff as possible. So, uh, yeah, I feel like definitely, obviously, it was a it was a passion that he probably nurtured, well, like that he inspired early days. And then since that time, I've, I've been nurtured it myself quite a bit in terms mm, yes, of the, right. yeah, I would okay. say. And it's obviously good that you've ended up finding yourself in a spot where that's somewhat useful doing a podcast and t- trying to laugh with Cody, I guess, regularly. But, but you'd but, be surprised, you know, I actually weaved it into my teaching a lot as well mm, when right. I was a teacher. Okay. That's yes, well, that's what the that's students what loved I, it. <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of what I was going to ask about. Obviously, before all this started happening, what were you up to and how useful was that trait? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Even through school, you were you would have been an absolute pest through school, I imagine. Yeah. Some of the- my teachers, I've had a lot of teachers like speak, message actually about the chalks and stuff. Like, oh, you're kidding. Yeah, saying congratulations and well done. I think more just thankful for the fact that I did something useful after just badgering them for so many years. Uh, I think they were quite excited by the fact that it's, it's actually, you know, sort of taken me somewhere. Because, yeah, I was a bit of a – I think I was a bit of a shit in high school. Uh, looking back, I would say I was hilarious, obviously, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure the teachers always thought that, that my moments that I chose for hilarity, like when they were sort of trying to teach a maths class, Mr. Everett and stuff, like yeah. if that was really the time that I needed to be standing my, <laughs> trying mean, my stand-up I mean, comic routine. trigonometry <laughs> exciting, El Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> So should you take off that algebra and all that sort of <laughs> yeah, stuff? I'm sure yeah, they would have loved it. That's cool. oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. classic. Um, so yeah, I, I, the, yeah, I think at school I probably yeah was a bit was not the, I was like quite intelligent, but probably didn't apply myself uh, the best as I possibly could. And I always sort of just to be honest, when I grew up, I just always wanted to be a cricketer. Yeah. Um, I remember like I actually remember writing on like a like year ten quiz or something like what do you want to be when you grow older? And I wrote professional cricketer. And then I didn't realize the teacher was reading the responses out to the whole class. Mm. And when she read that, the whole class laughed. I was like, yeah, that's stiff. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, that, that was genuinely all I ever like really considered, I think, especially when I was young. Um, and I was kind of going all right uh, at cricket, but probably never. I think that was maybe always a little bit outside my outside my reach. Um, but I, it was probably 2000, whenever I had the knee reconstruction, like 2009 yeah. where I was like, okay, well, because before that I'd probably just done like little jobs and stuff to support me so that I could play cricket and like train for cricket as much as possible up until I was sort of 19, I think. Um, so I'd like, I did a couple of years of an electrician apprenticeship. I was yeah, useless that at that. Oh like my I, God, I can't even imagine it. No. <laughs> so bad. Like I was in my second year. Uh, and I remember like the, yeah, my employer saying like, you probably should be able to strip wire by now. <laughs> I was like, oh, 
Yeah, it hurts my hands. <laughs> so, so I, I did that for two years. Then uh, I, yeah, had the had the knee reconstruction, and then I was like, oh shit, I've actually got to probably do something else here. Um, yeah. And that was when I started the teaching degree. Uh, which was a four-year degree that I finished in eight years, so mm. it was good. Yeah, that took you a while. It makes sense. Yeah. What I think, happened there? Well, I started out as a primary school teacher uh, and then I wanted to – so I did a year of that and then I wanted to specialise in um, high school, like PE teaching. Yeah. And then I also had a year in England playing cricket in 2012, so I sort of put it on hold for that year. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I would have started in 2000, maybe 2010 – and finished in 2016. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the same as everyone. Which yeah. is good. That's yeah. fine. That makes yeah. sense. Um, and then that – but in, in between, I guess, in answer to your question, I worked at Rebel Sport for a lot of years. Great I just David. managed to weave pun making into all of those things. Like I remember there being like a big sale <laughs> one time where they literally paid me – like I was meant to be in the footwear section, obviously, but I got mm. distracted. And so, <laughs> that hitting four yeah, and so, like there was this massive line of people just waiting. And so, because like that's not a great shopping experience, I just started like walking around and making puns to them, mm. and like going up and like interviewing them, not interviewing them, but just speaking to every customer, mm. like trying to make them laugh. Some of them gave me donuts, but then a lot of it just loved it. Mm. So then my boss like put this orange vest on me. And I just became like the, the checkout manager. Yeah. I was just like walking and checking in with everyone. <laughs> it's not even a real job. It was absolutely not a real job. I was like, this is the best day of my life. I'm, yeah, I'm literally just having conversations <laughs> with customers that should be angry. <laughs> with, yeah. back, with the job at Rebel Sport as well, did you ever encounter sort of maybe any customers that maybe they lingered around too much maybe? Uh, brought, brought some gear back that maybe shouldn't have been in the back office or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great story. I, I worked at – it was actually Indrapilly Amart then, which was very close to Godie. I was playing at Valleys. This was whatever, 2000, probably 12, 13 11, or something. Yeah. Like yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I was playing – I lived in the Redlands, but I worked over there closer, again, closer for cricket sort of thing. And uh, it, it was just some of the – Godie obviously knew that I worked there, so he would regularly find ways to come into the store and just – be there. I'm not sure why. <laughs> but just in one, in one particular instance, we had this cricket bag that Gody had actually did get from Queensland Cricket. Back then we were both like doing after school, school like yeah, after school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we did like cricket coaching for a bit of extra income. So Gody had actually taken this bag, but then I'd said, hey, mate, can I borrow that bag you've got? I've got to do a school like this afternoon sort of thing. And so I ended up with this cricket bag. And then when I rang Gertie to say, oh, I'm dropping this bag back to you, he was like, no, nah, I don't want it. You take it back to Queensland Cricket. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not taking it back to Queensland Cricket. You got it. You take it back. And so it just became for like probably six months, this thing of like dropping it at each other's house yep. and like trying different ways to make sure it was like, like he bike locked it to my bed. Like just That's like right. just yeah. stupid. Obviously much easier just to take it back to Queensland Cricket. <laughs> no, no fun. We no. actually, we were talking about this the other day. We actually don't, we don't know where it is. Like, because neither of us ever took it. Yeah. So we don't know where it is. It's still be. on Lee's old roof. Yeah. <laughs> it, gen- it genuinely could be in my old house. Yeah. Because like, yeah. yeah. we, we absolutely we did no not idea. take it out. It, it wasn't but, taken back. But anyway, this one day, so in the midst of this, I've, I've come out from my lunch break mm-hmm. and the girl at, at Indrapilly Amart has gone, oh, Lee, um, someone just dropped off a nice package for you. <laughs> and I was like, what? Because <laughs> like, that wasn't a normal thing to get deliveries <laughs> to your workplace. <laughs> and uh, and I walked around the corner to where the counter was and it's this stupid cricket bag. And I was like to the girl, I was like, did you just take a random bag? Like, 
what if it was had explosives in it or something? She was like, oh, I didn't think about that. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Great, excellent. So I just had this random cricket bag sitting and I've had to drag it out to the back staff room. <laughs> just like all the customers but are going to be like, what's wrong with this guy? Indra Pilly shopping centre back to your car to yeah. leave. Put a price tag on it. Yeah. Just yeah. put it out and <laughs> shut on the floor to- and just hope yeah. someone took it. Cash yeah. only. I should have tried to sell it, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Rocky. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When was it then that you started traveling around for cricket? You said you've done that year in England in 2012, was it? Yeah. Which... I recall was rather wet. I don't think there was that much cricket played, but then and then since then you've obviously done a fair bit as well. Yeah. So then 2000, I, I sort of I really liked my season in England, but it felt a bit like I'd put uni on hold. It rained literally most of the time. Obviously, I didn't know Dave the Brit that knows jack shit back then. Yeah, Otherwise, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, it, it just it felt a lot like to be fair that when I was sitting there during the week. I was sort of just doing nothing. Like I, there were times where I got to go and travel and I got to see France and Spain and yeah, it's a tough some, Yeah, it's just really cool stuff. But like they, they were probably, you know, four trips in 26 weeks kind of thing. And so there's a lot of weeks of sitting there watching it rain and, and not really being able to do it a whole heap. Um, so I think the next year I was like, oh, I've got to really go back to – go back to uni essentially like I've got to get closer to getting this degree done mm-hmm. um, and so the next year rather than going to England I've got the opportunity to go up to Darwin and play in the in the winter basically like at that point I just wanted to play cricket all the time and as many games as I could which was the whole point for going to England um, and so I, the opportunity was the same in Darwin it was pretty hot and rained less in the dry season up there and it was a good standard of cricket like played against some really good cricketers and uh, that was 2013 and then from that opportunity uh, basically like Jimmy Pearson had already sort of jumped me in Queensland in that next like pecking order to get behind Chris Hartley at the time. Uh, I went to Darwin, the South Australian coach was Darren Berry at the time. Uh, he saw me play up there and said like, why don't you come to South Australia? Like we'd, we don't have much behind Ludeman kind of thing. It was essentially like not on a contract or anything like that, but just like come down and see how you go. Um, so yeah, that, that next season, 2013, 14, I went down to Adelaide and played for West Torrens down there. Um, went horrific. In that <laughs> how season. did that go? Uh, yeah. When he said, when he said, come down to see how you go, it was like, you could, I don't think a person's ever gone worse. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I don't think I dealt with the pressure very well. Like I being, being the fact that it was just all I wanted to do was play cricket. Uh, I remember going to my first net at West Torrens and up here we'd never trained on turf before and down there oh, they think yeah. that's like incredibly weird. Like we train on like artificial grass and down in Adelaide they train everything's done on turf wickets. And when I walked into bat because I was like this new kind of import from Brisbane, the whole training session stopped and just watched my net 
and I would have nicked Goodness. off four times in five balls and then everyone just like started training yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's this fucking sucks. Mm, yeah. Fills you with confidence. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, and I went, I went poor. Like I, I was very, even like as a batter, I was very like back foot. That was my scoring zones. was like cutting and pulling and yeah. I went to Adelaide where the wickets were quite low and – uh, yeah, you more had to be like quite good on the front foot sort of thing. So I just remember getting LBW a lot of times uh, in that first season when I went down there. So I, yeah, I, I'd almost moved home to be fair because I was yeah. missing home. Like obviously, always been really close with my family, and um, I remember definitely in that first year, that 2013-14, I was like, oh, this this sucks. I'm I'm going home. Um, but I sort of just didn't want to be. I've seen a lot of players kind of do that, like go for one year and fly back. Fly back and like it just does nothing. I just didn't want that to be my kind of legacy, I guess. I wanted to have more of a crack than mm. that and see if I could get it sorted. So I remember going, um, yeah, that that off season, I went to Neil DeCosta, who's now like Marnus's batting coach. Goaty's been to him. Um, he was Phil Hughes's batting coach, Michael Clark's batting coach, like he, and you've been to him as well since skin. Like, and he, yeah. he was amazing for me like in terms of I was always very I sort of made a decision like early in that season going like I'm gonna need to learn how to hit the ball off the front foot like on these wickets down here because it's just I've got nothing otherwise and so I basically went to him with that plan and uh I went by myself the first time and he fed one ball to me and then he was like come down here I was like all right yep and he said you do a lot of shit wrong. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good like that, isn't he? <laughs> Very blunt. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, right, so okay. it became, that became like a process of sort of reinventing myself a little bit as a, as a batter. I was always a wicket keeper and I was a good wicket keeper. Worked with yeah. like Spud Murphy when I was young and so probably always took the wicket keeping like almost that old school idea of like being a wicket keeper first kind of thing because I was coached by Brad Murphy. That was probably his, mm. more his sort of thing. Uh, so I'd always taken wicket-keeping way more seriously than batting and probably just thought if I'd chipped in with some runs, it was a good thing. But at that point, it was like <laughs> Adam Gilchrist had played for mm. however many years he kind of needed to be able to bat. Yep. They were never going to just pick a keeper that can't bat anymore. So, yeah, that was 2014. I went back up to Darwin, scored plenty of runs. Like I think that's where I got my high score. My high score still is 179, not out, and I've got it twice uh, once was up there in Darwin and then once back here in, in Brisbane. Right. Um, and well, I, either of them off about 60 balls. No, nah, 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 I didn't no. break Goaty's record. Okay. <laughs> no. 179 off 250 doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Was people fucking sleep? That's what it does. Okay. But yeah, and then you obviously ended up going well down in South Australia. Yeah, as that, well. that next year, I remember I ran really well. Like for, I think that was the year like I won the batting award for our club, oh, right. West Torrens, and then I saw my name on the board down there. You know those boards that they always have in cricket clubs, but usually they're like five years behind. Mm. So I never actually got to see my name on the West Torrens board when I was down there. Yeah. And then I went back down last year and I was like, oh, cool, they put it up there. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they spelled it wrong. <laughs> yeah. 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 And in amongst that, there's just Kelvin Smith 11 times in a row. Mm. And uh, Kelvin, yeah, Smith, Kelvin Smith, Kelvin Smith, Kelvin Smith, Lee Drennan, Kelvin Smith, Kelvin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good. But, um, but yeah, that next year I, I went really well. And then it became, yeah, probably the, my favourite place to – and I love being home now and stuff, but it was definitely an experience that I enjoyed so much. I've still got so many mates from, from those years. I stayed there till 2018. Now I've still got plenty of mates down there that I communicate with daily, really. Like with Spencer Johnson that we is now sort of taken off. He was a yeah, Spencer is Christmas. Uh 
Is he ever? But like at that at that stage when I was playing, he was a young kid that probably like got injured a lot. But then when he played, we liked this guy balls rockets. Like, and it was kind of it's cool to see those guys that I played with, like Daniel Drew, uh, coming through and, and kind of being good state cricketers now as well. It's a it's a cool thing. It was a great club and like someone that I always look back on incredibly fondly. I think I, yeah, when I moved back in 2018, even I was a little bit like didn't probably didn't enjoy playing cricket as much as when I played there. Uh, mm-hmm. So it took me a while to sort of probably find my feet up here again, like going the other way because I was down there for five seasons. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it took a while. We obviously yeah, ran that triple, triple premiership that year, which I've rarely mentioned. Yeah, but, we haven't heard about that. Um, it doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, got the David Hooks medal in the final, the 100 in the grand final for yeah. that two-day flag. Okay. I flew down to watch your semi-final. That was – you went well that game. That was good. That was when Nick Best told me I was internally ill. <laughs> so I was so scared. <laughs> oh, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Like he's one of the great guys. Yeah, I don't know if I should have flown down for yeah. the granny, but I wasn't yeah, sure you'd make it. Lee, I just don't know how to say this. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> I don't know how to describe this to you. You're just internally ill. You're that scared. But <laughs> – Correct. <laughs> Being yeah, a better. Right? Literally nicked off three balls later. <laughs> and now, like, so you, you moved back up there and obviously that's probably when all this sort of kicked off uh, 2019. We got the chocolates. Yeah. Um, tell us how that all started. Uh, yeah, go from there. Yeah. Well, yeah, when I, when I initially moved back, like I just wanted to be closer to me and Mitch were probably always uh, very close as growing up, obviously. And then I moved away sort of from 2012, obviously coming back home and seeing them heaps but uh, I'd never obviously been at home properly until from that time 2012 to 2018 pretty much so Mitch was sort of pretty old by the time I actually got home you were, what, what would you have been when I was when I moved back at 28 you were 21 or whatever yeah. so I'd, yeah. Yeah, I remember moving back right before his 21st birthday and, and like I don't think either Mitch or I were great like communicators in terms of uh, ringing each other and texting each other and like so even though we kind of always were incredibly close when we were young and when we'd come home, we'd still love each other and be very tight. We never like probably showed it that much while we were away. Mm. And I think there was a part of me that probably missed that a huge amount, um, which was definitely part of the reason why I just always still felt like I loved Adelaide. I really enjoyed it, but I always felt like I was on holidays. Mm. Like I always felt at some point I was going to come back and Brisbane was going to be where I wanted to live because I just wanted to be closer to Mitch and Brian and mom, yeah, our, our family, I guess. Um, I probably thought Ruby was on her last legs at that point that she left. Oh, yeah. Another ten years yeah. later, she's still here. Ruby, her dog. So another ten she years, she was still kicking. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that makes no sense. We thought that for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, but that was that was 2018. I, I think I didn't know that this is what I wanted to start at that point. It was more just like I was emceeing weddings again. I sort of felt like I I loved any opportunity I got to speak in public, I, I felt like I could, I guess, light up a room a little bit with my stupidity and uh, and just ability to make dumb puns and stuff. And um, I guess I loved doing that. So I, when I would MC, people would always say to me like, oh, you got to do this for a job, you got to do this for a job. And I just didn't really know how to mm. do that. Like I don't, I don't think I could MC random people's weddings and be quite as successful as – as what I was with people that I obviously knew because I knew funny stories about them and I could bring them up. 
Um, and I think at that stage, I, I yeah, I saw like the podcast thing. Uh, I had a mate named Charlie that's involved and he was like one of the lead ones that sort of put pressure on me all the time going like, you've got to do something like this. Have you looked at these podcasts yet? And uh, at that point, I think it was like bloke in a bar was doing a rugby league. Yeah, run and just was, kicking off. Already, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was going good. There was like big American ones like Joe Rogan and Call a Daddy. Um, but they don't – that really even then they'd only just started like mm. this 2018, 19 sort of stuff. So they were only just kicking off. Uh, then and I, I sort of thought, oh, there you go. That's that's something that I can do, and I kind of probably aspired to be on the radio. Um, that was that was even then that was what I was thinking. It's like if I can start something like this and, and build it up, then maybe someone will give me a job in radio. Or I had no interest in going back to uni to study again, but so I wanted it to more be like a practical experience, something that I can say, hey, I got this off the ground. Can you give me a job, sort of thing? Um, which now obviously, yeah, like. Don't want that at all. I just, <laughs> I just, just want to keep doing this. Just want to keep doing what we're doing. But yeah, that was probably the the inspiration for for starting it. Um, was the and like I I didn't even feel like I th- I guess my reason for like why I wanted to do it was because I didn't think that I could um wanted to be overly educational with our podcast or anything like that. I just wanted to provide people a laugh. I I, I think back then it was. You know, getting that was around like the COVID time and stuff mm. as well. There was a lot of people that were stuck inside and didn't have much to to sort of laugh about. Or and and I just yeah, I don't know. It sounds a bit corny, but like laughter is the best medicine kind of thing is mm. that's always been my approach to healing. Um, to if I'm not having a great day, I think having a laugh and finding something to really have a good cackle about is it gets me in a better mood. Yeah, there's there's not too many people that have it bad day if they're with their mates and laughing a huge amount so that was the inspiration I guess for why I wanted to start it and I felt like I could provide that to other people if we could get to the point where people listen to it yeah and uh, do you have a favorite element of what we do is it is there something that you just absolutely love doing or is it the whole process or like what's what's your where are you at your happiest when we're working yeah I think like genuinely because people people ask me all the time like are you ever worried that you will run out of content um, but particularly in relation to the podcast, I think we've done like we're close to 200 episodes now. We've done 213, <laughs> uh, I think. So like, couldn't be closer. Yeah. And like my answer is genuinely no, because like, I feel like the podcast is a forced social interaction between me and my best mates. Like mm. <laughs> it's, I don't think that it, it, I would never go to a, a if me and you guys were to go have a beer, I would yeah. just sit there and yeah, just yeah. stare at you in silence. All out of content, boys. Yeah. 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 It's so uh, funny because yeah. we we'll often say, like, we, why don't we just as soon as we like get to the office, I'm like, let's just turn the fucking mics on from there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's just it's just yeah. probably us as a group. That's just who we are. So because yeah. at the moment we just find ourselves saying siftipper all the time because yeah. like the stuff we want to talk about in life, we're like, oh, this would probably be decent content for the podcast. Like it's yeah. and for like for that reason, I. I'd never get worried that we would run out of content because I think they're just genuine conversations that we have that we then maybe frame with a jingle and stuff and get Mickus to sing. But yeah, um, but I think that's what I like doing that. I reckon that's that's what I like the most about it is I think that's where I'm at my happiest is I feel like I'm just having a chat with my mates and that other you know like out the chockies kind of are involved in that really that they're obviously they can't talk back to us but they just get to listen and feel like they're included in, in a group of mates, which I think is a, a really cool thing. And that's that's what I love doing. I, I find whenever we hang out together that we laugh a huge amount 
you usually do stupid pranks and stuff like that. And <laughs> Where did he ever? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. 15 minutes ago. <laughs> poor poor Skittle just need new underpants. <laughs> um, and like that's that's what we do is have a great time. So all that really is happening is that we're recording it. Mm. And I, I love that. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's so good. And, and I asked the same question to Mitchie yesterday. So where, what's next? What's next for the Chocks? Where do you see us? What's, uh, where are we going? Yeah, like I, I think that uh, we, it's, it's cool that we've probably started even more as a podcast, um, but we've been able to branch out in, across like social media. And I love, I, I haven't seen too many people that are successful at doing both, if that makes sense. Like uh, uh, successful at doing a really good podcast and also have a really good presence on YouTube, doing other videos. We've got some great video ideas um, and and I haven't seen a lot that have done both I mean, incredibly well. Like a lot of people are obviously very successful on YouTube as well, like Joe Rogan and stuff, but he's just putting his podcast up. And I genuinely love doing the podcast, but I also love doing like those stupid other video ideas we've got and stuff. And uh, and I would love for us to be to be able to do both really successfully. And I think we've definitely got the capacity, the people in this room to, to be able to do that. Um, and I'm excited to to keep yeah to keep getting better at and the other thing for me I reckon is that we we didn't really certainly Mitch and I weren't like obviously Mikus was a video guy but we weren't at all like we didn't know how to do any video editing um, yes yeah, same we, we, we didn't have a clue we're like that I think being involved in this process and this sort of uh, project has given us opportunities to learn skills that I never thought I would. Um, and I think we can keep the exciting part about that, I guess, is that the point we're at now, I feel like we can continue to get better and better in terms of the quality of product that we put out, the mm-hmm. videos that we put out. Um, the speed in which we put them out. The speed in which we put them out. <laughs> Always worth the wait though. Um, but then like, I guess longer, even like longer term than that, I'd love, I could see us doing like a, you know, I watch like the grade cricketer boys do like a live tour mm-hmm. uh, where they present on stage. And I've always thought that that's something that we'd be unreal at. And that I would love to do. Speak um, for yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of deck chairs. <laughs> we won't the front to the back. We won't turn, uh, we won't turn skins back on. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like I, I don't know. Even like Mitch, Mitch obviously takes a piss out of how scared he gets in front of people and stuff. But I think you would also like the idea of doing yeah, like a, yeah. a live tour sort of thing like that. That's yeah. that's a project that it's I think probably would be something awesome. that makes us so unique is that like the four of us in this room plus disc over there as well. Um, <laughs> I think we are so similar, but also so different as well in regards to what we bring to the. We'll, we'll call it a show, but it's yeah. and that's probably what makes it so. Good, the fact that we can literally just take the piss out of each other and it's just – and we just leave it at that. It's, yeah. it's so fun. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And I yeah, I think I would enjoy that a huge amount and mm-hmm. being able to do do that. So I, I don't necessarily think there's like massive grand plans. I think we're on the right track and mm-hmm. the right pathway. It's just, like you said, like getting everything – better in terms of quality but then definitely also the speed that things go out and, and like the processes the processes for how we work as a business that's yeah. still very new and, yeah, and and like six months ago we would probably still not even talking about it as a business like yeah. it sounds kind of weird yeah. saying that um it was something that we started as a hobby that we're now we now think there we is an opportunity an to make it we now have an office we, we think there is an opportunity to to make it um, a successful sort of business. When we talk about 
stuff to do with merch and stuff like that as well. So there's lots of just little elements that we've kind of done little bits and pieces on that we've never, mm. never obviously quite nailed. And, and we'd love to over the next couple of years, be get those processes mm. really effective. Um, that would be a very cool thing and a cool achievement. I think. Beautiful. I think that, uh, that might wrap us up, mate. Thanks for, uh, Thanks for letting us uh, grill you for a change. Thanks for letting us uh, give us the car keys to the show. But, uh, hope you all enjoyed it. No worries. Thanks, man. Can you pass me some wine? <laughs> yeah. Or a beer? Yeah. Oh. Also, well, Lee, how's your head? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I didn't speak at yeah. all about the Yeah, I don't yeah, really. Yeah, we really, really, we really jumped into yeah. it. <laughs> we we must admit. Oh, we're blind. Yeah. Well, we're not blind now. Not anymore. <laughs> we were last night. Seven hours ago. Oh, uh, so I feel was, horrific. Lee was blind cutting my hair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I gave Lee a haircut. Uh, we have gotten pizza in the pool. We've got no more alcohol because we're out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're in a winery, so we really should have run out. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're essentially sweating Savion Blanc. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've just got stubby coolers on their own on yeah. the table. So. Great. It's, it's been a, a long week, but a wonderful week. It's a great look. Oh, what a week. Me. Cut the job. That's been fun. <laughs> There you go. That was our final Good Chat episode because we are back with episode 215 this time next week, which is very exciting. How'd you go, Skin? Beautifully. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that since we recorded the intro. <laughs> a lot's changed. <laughs> uh, perfect. And we have got some great feedback. It's been awesome, actually. I know we've, we've definitely posted Skin's Good Chat episode on YouTube last week. Uh, there's been some really cool comments. If you do like sort of, if you're more of a visual learner, you can go and watch them on YouTube as well. Our YouTube channel, it's obviously just at We Got The Chocolates. And that's where you'll find us on all social media platforms as well. And we'd love to hear from you on those. Absolutely. You can also get in touch with us at our website. We've got the chocolates.com.au. You can leave a voice message on the chalk line if you'd like to hear yourself on a future app or just write in below that as well if that's your preference. Mm. We've also got some hoodies and a hat at the moment. There's plenty more coming. We're doing plenty of work in the merchandise space at the moment, but you may as well just go and check out the stuff that we actually do have. That's also at that website that Skin just mentioned. We've got the chocolates.com.au. Uh, and the other thing that we would love you to do if you are feeling in a helping mood is to just jump on to either Spotify or Apple, wherever you choose to listen and give us a rating and a review. Make them quite entertaining and then we'll probably read them out on next week's podcast as well. Thank you so much again. We love having you here. Remember that if you are out having a good laugh with your mates throughout the week, then you're absolutely getting the chocolates. We'll speak to you again this time next week. And as always, good luck in the future. And that's stumps. Love you. Love you. Yeah. 